I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. An Elio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. Who knows? We might even solve a case. I am Allie Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stetton. As usual, Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, videos, shoutouts, and merchandise discounts. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. And now is a great time to join because... December, we're going to be cranking out a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. And if you want to go holiday shopping, you want that merch discount for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You want that merch discount. You want that merch discount. Uh, for merch, you can go to webcrawlerspod.com or hothorse.horse if you're nasty. Uh, <laughs> even bigger news, we have a cameo. We just did one the other day, which was really fascinating, Yeah, where someone just asked us, personal questions they asked us like what's our favorite short story what's our favorite short stories who are some of our favorite authors and we just it was great. it was like answer. a mini podcast it was a personalized <laughs> mini podcast yes so if you want to ask us personal questions about our lives and we'll answer just for you you can go to web crawlers pod at cameo and uh, maybe we'll do another uh discount for the holidays oh yeah black friday black friday y'all um, and then, and also when it's online, people can't trample each other. Right. Which is good. That's great. Or that's, 
So maybe Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. Yeah, Cyber Monday. Watch out for all those discounts. <laughs> if you're nasty. Um, and then also we have another podcast that we just started called 90 Day Fiance Slumber Party. Yes. Where me, Melissa, and Rachel Fisher from Hollywood Crime Scene go over our favorite reality show, 90 Day Fiance. If you want to tune into that, rate, subscribe, join our Patreon, and listen. It is 90 Day Fiance Slumber Party. It's a whole good time. Yes, it is great. Uh, let's get into our episode for the week. What are our, who are our Patreon shoutouts? Well, Patreon shoutouts, we have Tamara R. Yes. Lindsay E. Uh-huh. Metamass. Fascinating. Laura W. And Maura L. Metamass sounds like a superhero. It, it, it probably is. I agree. Melissa, let's get into our weird thing of the week. Okay, our weird thing of the week is kind of cool. We actually have an interview with someone. So stoked. It's about the oddball, a.k.a. the Betts Sphere. Yes. It's you Betts. You, you Betts. Bet's sphere. <laughs> Hallie, when you yell, you don't have to get closer to the microphone. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this this Betts Sphere. <laughs> you Betsja. Oh, God. It's, just, it's this metal ball. It's about the size of a bowling ball. Mm. It's 22 pounds. Wow. It was found in a yard in Florida in 1974. Florida. Florida, Jacksonville. And the family who found it, they initially thought it was an old cannonball, and they brought it home with them. As you would. Yep. And then, according to them, the ball started moving on its own. Oh, my gosh. And they heard mysterious organ music playing in their house oh no so they called the newspaper they're like you guys gotta check this out yeah extra extra read all about it so then we got an interview with Lindsay kilbride she actually has a podcast out right now called oddball yes it's all new and noteworthy on apple and so we're gonna play this real quick interview yes and and then we're gonna discuss what we think about it here it is so tell us about the premise of your new podcast oddball Oddball is a mystery. It's a story about this really heavy metal ball a family found in Jacksonville, Florida in the 1970s. So this family was walking through the woods. They found this metal ball. They brought it inside. And then they noticed a few weeks later that the ball seemed to move in odd patterns. So it would roll in a straight line and then suddenly veer or roll around the sides of a table and wind up the middle and vibrate and all all these different claims. So shortly after that, the Navy investigated it. And then all these well-known scientists and UFO investigators, and no one could ever figure out what it was. So to this day, it's still a mystery. The podcast Oddball really aims to put that mystery to rest. But along the way, I really uncover a lot of new details and arms to the story, because the story is also about how this family was impacted by the discovering of the sphere. So this all happened in Fort George Island, Florida, at a location called the Neff House, where Jerry, her husband, and her son lived. The ball is not the first mysterious thing to happen at this home. Can you elaborate on the Neff House's bizarre history? Yeah, so this house is a really big part of episode two. And you're right. um, It's not the first mysterious thing to happen at the house. Jerry and her family, which, by the way, Jerry has six kids, so a lot of them. um, But they're living in this huge mansion hidden away in the woods. And it kind of looks like a castle. I mean, the house has this big side tower that's kind of round like a castle. 
And it's still really hidden today. So you can imagine how much less developed it probably was in the 70s. So supposedly the house was haunted. (laughs) The local paper had this kind of a fun Halloween story about how strange events occurred. Um, You know, organ music would play, but the family didn't have an organ or they found broken dishes on the ground, but yet the cabinet that they were in had been closed. So um, there's a weird history behind the house, too. The house was built for a Chicago real estate agent and his family, but a lot of his family members died in some pretty tragic ways before they even got a chance to move in. And the real estate agent himself killed himself. So then some decades later, the Betts family moves in. So we explore all of this in the podcast. It's uh, kind of just another interesting detail. And it's kind of like, is this related at all? And we kind of look into all that. So they found a silver sphere at their house. What did it look like? What kind of properties did it have? The ball was found a little further away from their house. The Betts family owned a ton of land in the area. So they actually found the ball on some of their property miles from the home, and it was very deep in the woods. And when they brought it inside, um, the ball was covered in scratches. And Jerry, the matriarch of the family, um, I have a really old recorded interview of her I was able to find. And she actually says that when you look at the scratches under a magnifying glass, they look like starbursts, like, you know, little suns or something like that, um, which I hadn't read anywhere else in any articles, but I don't know. That's what she said. Um, and then another physical characteristic was that the ball had a small triangular chip out of the side of it. So other than that, uh, the Navy looked at the ball and determined it to be stainless steel, or at least the shell, the outside of it was. It was eight inches in diameter. So that's about the size of a bowling ball. And it was really, really heavy. It was about 22 pounds. And then when you shook the ball, you could hear something inside of it. So it was probably hollow. And then an x-ray revealed that there were three tiny spheres inside of the ball. I mean, and then other than that, you know, the You know, they said the ball moved around weirdly, and that's sort of up for debate. Like, different people have different opinions of what was causing that. And then different scientists had different opinions about the ball's properties. So we kind of get all into that in the podcast. But as far as what the government was saying about the ball, uh, this was what was documented. Carl Wilson from the Omega Minus One Institute reported that not only did the sphere have a magnetic field, but that it was also transmitting a radio signal. What do you make of that? (laughs) Yes, Carl Wilson. Um, So I just want to say first, it's really tough because different scientists examined the ball and came to different conclusions. And a lot of different things are reported about the ball. But with this guy specifically, I was never able to verify Carl Wilson is a real person or was a real person. In fact, his name is Williston in some articles. It's Wilson spelled differently in other articles. I mean, that's kind of the hard thing with doing a story that took place in the 70s. So I talked to some very well-known UFO experts, and no one had ever heard of him or this institute. So it was sort of hard to even take this claim seriously. But it seems like the more outrageous claims about the ball, those are what you see in all the modern um, blog posts and write-ups about the sphere. And so for me, I took a really critical journalistic approach to all of these claims. So you'll find that when you listen to Oddball. Dr. James Harder, a professor of fluid mechanics engineering at the University of California in Berkeley, examined the ball too. What did he find? Harder is said to have some of the most 
out their claims. Um, when you read about the ball, it's Harder's claims that uh, people really like to talk about because they're a little bit sensational. Um, and I don't want to give too much away about what I found to be true or likely versus unlikely because that is a big part of the actual podcast. But Harder is the guy who says the sphere contained elements heavier than anything on earth, but he's also quoted saying less extreme remarks about the ball too. So you sort of have to, you know, investigate that and figure out, you know, what's reliable and what's not. And that's a big part of the podcast. The U.S. Navy then agreed to examine the sphere as well, and they found something different. What conclusion did they come to? Yeah, like the Navy really thought the ball was just an ordinary object, possibly from the paper mill, and um, that any odd rolling was due to the home having uneven floors. Although the ball supposedly rolled oddly in a bunch of different locations, including off-site. But of course, that's like a he said, she said type of thing. So there's no video of the ball rolling. But the Navy really thought this ball was just kind of a common object probably used in an industry of some sort. And how did the National Enquirer get involved? Yeah, so the National Enquirer had, at this time, put together a panel of scientists to look into UFOs, a blue ribbon panel of UFO experts. And, you know, at this time, UFOs were extremely popular. Um, There were all these sightings and, you know, the government had been involved in debunking UFO claims. And now scientists were really getting involved in um, trying to figure out, you know, are any of these legitimate? And really, the purpose of this panel, though, was probably to sell National Enquirer papers, But, you know, the panel members were real scientists, and they really wanted to do real work. And this included astronomer J. Allen Hynek, and he was basically the most famous UFO investigator scientist in the world. And he had no interest in UFOs initially in his career, but then the Air Force tapped him years before this to debunk UFO claims. And then he basically made studying UFOs his life's work. So this panel happened to be meeting a few weeks after the sphere was found um, in, in New Orleans. And so they ended up just examining the ball because the ball was making a lot of headlines at this time and people wanted to know what it was. Um, And then in the podcast, I actually end up talking to a panelist, one of the scientists that examined the Beth Sphere. Um, His name is Leo Sprinkle, and he's a psychologist. So that was really cool. And we find out a little bit about what he remembers about the ball. The National Enquirer was offering a cash prize to anyone who could prove extraterrestrial existence, essentially. So that was another reason people were entering things into this contest or or to this panel to have them investigate it. What happened to the Betts family? Yeah, so the thing about this podcast is it's just as much a story about the ball as it is about a family and how this type of occurrence impacts someone's life. And that, to me, was really, really interesting. But essentially, the family stopped talking about the ball because people wouldn't leave them alone. And strange people were showing up at their house and there were some like strange people offering them a large sum of money for the ball. And it just got really, really weird and a little bit scary for them, I think. So I don't blame them. And I talked to one of the grandkids who said that they don't even know much about the ball themselves because the family doesn't even talk much about it internally. So the family is is really private about this specifically and really about their identities because they don't want people tracking them down to talk about the ball. What do you think the sphere was? Hmm. Well, I don't want to give anything away that you learn in the podcast, but I do think there's more to the story other than the ball being from just the paper mill. And then that's it. And that doesn't mean it's a UFO. But if you listen to the podcast, you'll kind of learn why I feel that way and why there's just 
it's more complicated than that. So what can people expect from your podcast? The podcast is just a complete roller coaster. So one minute you're certain X is true and then Y presents itself and then you're thinking, no, it's definitely Z. Oh, but what about the W thing? (laughs) So it's just there's so many uh, twists and different little rabbit holes we go down. So it's really great. But, you know, it's definitely going to make you feel a little conflicted at times, like I said, but um, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's definitely a very weird mystery, but it's it's told, I think, in a fun way. What drew you to the story? I love this stuff. I originally saw that there was an Ancient Aliens, you know, from the History Channel, there was an Ancient Aliens episode on the sphere, which the episode isn't super long or critical, but it was fascinating. And this weird, it was weird to me that this story happened in my hometown and I had never heard of it. And when I ran it by people, no one else had heard of it either. And second, despite the Navy and and all these scientists examining the ball, there is no definitive accepted explanation as to what the ball is. So I was like, why? Like, what? how come? How could they not figure that out? And I really started admiring Jerry, the main character. She's accomplished, and this is sans anything about the ball. She was just a very savvy businesswoman who had all these kinds of talents. So this happening to her was really interesting to me. So the story was perfect for me. It was a, It's a quirky, weird story, but it, it needed a delicate approach because this really did impact a family. I really, really, really enjoyed the project. And who knows, there there could be more to come. So, Melissa, what are some theories? Okay, so I read that they x-rayed it, and it ended up just, it was just stainless steel. There was nothing in it, just like my brain. <laughs> it was just stainless steel, metal yeah. plate. Yeah, I read that it also could be a bladder tank yeah. used on spacecrafts which are metal spheres that contain rocket fuels. Oh, not pee. They contain rocket fuels. <laughs> they don't contain rocket pee. <laughs> oh, okay. When fuel is needed, a valve opens and the fuel squirts out. Another pee term. Yeah. These tanks often survive when spacecrafts deorbit and burn up on reentry. One was actually found in Namibia in 2011, although some specialists said it might be too small to be a bladder tank. There's also... (laughs) Why are all of these P terms? Because it's called a bladder tank. There's also... It's a term for the thing on spacecrafts that has There's also the ball check valve. (laughs) (laughs) It's too early for this. It's 11.30. I just woke up like an hour ago. (laughs) I also woke up 10 minutes ago. She's actually still asleep. Technicians from a paper mill... (laughs) Okay, I think it's something sad. Okay. Oh god. I'm thinking of something sad. I'm I'm browsing through Cameo. Oh, oh no. no, yeah. This is scary. Like Danny Bonajuchi is like five dollars and stuff. Oh. No, I know. And then there was this kid and it just said his name and then it just said internet sensation. Oh, that's so scary. But oh. also, isn't it it seems like it seems like everyone's famous now. That I maybe know. it's like well, cool yeah. not to be famous. Oh yeah, we should cancel our podcast. When- <laughs> <laughs> like when I know someone or like a friend of mine who's like not on any social media, I'm like, you are so fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the coolest don't people need, I know are not on social media. You don't need the media. attention. Yeah. My boyfriend's not on social media. Hot. And he's very cool. He's very cool. He he's does, very mysterious. He does run our dog's Instagram, though. Well, there you go. Oh, he does. <laughs> I thought it was you. No. He's oh. the one who does, like, all the dog voices. Oh, no. Like, yeah. my pig. Oh, no. I did it at the beginning. But now he does. He, he, uh, don't worry. We, we've got it figured out. Yeah. Allie, stop judging. Okay. 
Technicians from a paper mill identified it as a ball check valve from some large pipes used in their factory. The president of a Jacksonville company called the newspaper and told them they manufacture these ball valves. So they went to check it out. They weighed one of them and measured it, and it was eight inches across and weighed just over 21 pounds, which are the exact measurements of the Betts sphere. I bets that it's a ball check valve. Or... The last theory is that it could have just been a metal ball from a factory that fell off a truck. Interesting. So after the story broke, a Coca-Cola delivery man saw some similar looking spheres in a sculpture outside a hotel in New Mexico. Interesting. He called the manager of of the hotel, who also happened to be the artist of the sculpture, and told him about the newspaper articles. So then reporters were calling him to ask about his 8-inch stainless steel globes. It turns out he had several sculptures that used them including a kinetic sculpture using one as a pendulum. Which would probably have weird properties of his right. yeah, kinetic ener- energy. And so this guy said he'd made a run a few years back in Florida to collect scrap metal for his sculptures. Huh. A friend supplied him with a bunch of balls from large industrial ball check valves at his company in two sizes. One was eight inches. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Ellie loves the word balls. (laughs) I'm eight years old. Okay, continue. Uh, They came in two sizes. Some were eight inches, weighing about 22 pounds, and some were 10 inches, weighing about 70 pounds. Okay, so he put put the balls on the luggage rack in top of his car. He drove to the Jacksonville area in 1971, three years before this family found it, and he said a few of them rolled off the luggage rack and were lost. Uh Uh-oh. So I bets that they ended yeah. up in the Betts's backyard. But who knows? But there's a whole podcast devoted to this. So if you're into this. Yeah, you should check, check out the Oddball podcast. Check it out. Was it a metal ball or was it aliens? Could be either. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 
Melissa, should we get into our main story? Yes. Perfect. So last week, we talked about corporate cults and how Lululemon pays for their employees to attend Landmark. Well, there was also a very gruesome murder in a Lululemon store back in 2011. Insane. It's a crazy story. Let's get into it. Hell yeah. Jana Murray was laid to rest yesterday after being killed in the Lululemon store where she worked. She's been killed with six weapons and her body riddled with 331 wounds. Police say this was a workplace dispute gone lethal. It was a scene painted in blood. One expert say suggests intense rage. That with her hands tied above her head, she may have tied herself up. She was angry, majorly angry. On the morning of March 12th, 2011... That's a, a few days after my birthday. Oh my God. Pisces season. Pisces. <laughs> a Lululemon manager from Bethesda, Maryland, opened the store to start her shift, and she realized something was very wrong. Mm. The store looked like it had been robbed, and she didn't want to go in by herself. So she noticed people were waiting in line at the Apple store next door, and she asked a guy if he would come inside with her. So he walks towards the back of the store, basically following a trail of blood. Oh, my God. And he finds two bodies. <gasps> so he naturally starts to run the fuck out of there. Hell yeah. But then one of the bodies starts moaning. What? And he realizes she's still alive. Oh, my God. So she's bound with zip ties on her wrists and legs. Stop. And her face is bleeding very badly. Oh, my God. So the manager called 911. She told the dispatcher... One person seems dead and the other person is breathing. The two women were identified as 29-year-old Brittany Norwood and 30-year-old Jana Murray. They were the two employees who had closed up the store the previous night. Brittany was still alive, but Jana was lying face down in a pool of blood. She suffered severe head trauma and was pronounced dead at the scene. Oh my so the police assumed it was a robbery with all the money missing. But the amount of trauma that Brittany experienced was significantly less than Jaina. Hmm. Brittany had one cut on her forehead and one on her hand, while Jaina had over 300 stab wounds. That's so many stab wounds. That's a ton. That's crazy. 300 so much. Like 20 is a lot. Yeah, 20 is a lot. Imagine stabbing someone 300 times. At the hospital, the cops interviewed Brittany. She told police that after she and Jaina had closed the store for the night, she realized she forgot her wallet and needed to go back. She was a fairly new employee. She didn't have a key and didn't have Jaina's phone number. She called another employee to ask for Jaina's number. The employee said, why don't you just call the store manager, Rachel, who lives right across the street? She can let you in. And Brittany said, oh, I don't want to bother her. It's late. Jaina's probably not too far from here. So she gets Gina's info and calls her to ask if she could come back to open the store because she forgot her wallet. Gina says, sure, I actually left something inside, too. I'll be right there. Brittany says the two women go inside to get their stuff, and two men in black ski masks follow them inside the store. They beat and rape them and use different items to sexually assault them. She says she tried to save Gina, but she couldn't. When the police looked at surveillance footage from that night, they see two men dressed in all black walking by the store around the same time Brittany and Jaina were there. One even had a backpack, which Brittany also described. The police then launched a manhunt for these two men and offered a $150,000 reward. Important side note, the police asked Brittany if she knew what kind of car Jaina drives, and she said she had no idea. 
Okay. So the police actually find these guys. They are workers from a nearby restaurant, and their uniforms are all black. Huh. They walked by the Lululemon after work that night. What if they worked at Cafe Gratitude? Oh, is there one in Bethesda, Maryland? I don't know. God, I hope not. While investigating the crime scene, the police found various weapons and bloody footprints. One set of footprints is from Brittany. The other set is from someone wearing a size 14 Reeboks. So the police look around more and actually find a pair of size 14 Reeboks in the store. Weird. They ask Brittany about them, and she says they keep them there for when people try on clothes or need alterations. Size 14 Reeboks in a women's clothing store? Well, I think it's men's clothing, too. Really? I guess. I don't know. Keep talking. Interesting. I'll give it a Google. Interesting. But the shoes also had a little bit of blood on them. Mm. So if they were the shoes used by one of the robbers, why would he take them off, rinse them, and leave them at the scene? Also, the footprints never leave the store. So the detectives got very suspicious as they looked more into this case. They realized her story didn't really add up. Mm. One big clue was Brittany was never actually sexually assaulted, like she had said. Uh Neither was Jaina. Also, the alleged robbers only used weapons found inside the store. They didn't bring their own. That's weird. So they they use, like, mannequins? Yeah, yes. (laughs) Another clue was Brittany's wounds. She only had two, one on her forehead and one on her hand. The one on her hand looked like it could have occurred from a knife slipping in her hand. Jaina had hundreds of stab wounds. 300. 300. Over 300. One of the detectives did not believe Brittany at all, but another detective was very hesitant to question Brittany because he didn't want to be too insensitive or victim blame her. Also, she was African-American and Jaina was white, so he didn't want the media to turn this into a racial issue. So he was very careful and wanted to make sure he had every bit of evidence he needed. They searched Jaina's car, which was parked a few blocks from the store, and they found blood. They asked Brittany if she had ever been in Jaina's car, and she said no. Brittany contacts the detectives to tell them she has something important to tell them. She goes back to the police station. She says the two men had her move Jaina's car, but then told her to come right back or they would murder her because they had her wallet and knew her address. So she did and came back to the store. Why wouldn't you just drive off? Yeah, that's crazy. She obviously figured out why they had asked her about her car and needed to come up with an excuse. Yeah. At this point, the police are very sure she's guilty. They don't want to let her leave the police station. They eventually handcuff her to the table and read her her rights. They start asking her questions about why she killed Jaina, and she keeps denying everything. She asks for her family to come in. Her brother Chris is there and asks if he can speak with Brittany alone. So they let him. Brittany is worried the room is bugged, but Chris tells her he looked around and it's not. But if of course, the police can hear them. Of course, every police Everything's room. Everything's bugged. <laughs> you this can room hear everything. Is <laughs> so Brittany tells her brother, Chris, I'm going to ruin our entire family. What? So at this point, Chris is having doubts about her innocence. He asks her if she did it, and she says, I don't know how this happened. And he says, so you did it? But she doesn't deny it. Chris then asks if she stole something because Brittany has a history of stealing, apparently. So it was like a sad, like, I'm going to ruin our entire family. Yeah. Not like a, I'm going to ruin our entire family. I'm ruin everyone. Yeah, no, it was yeah. like a sad, okay. Yeah. A lot of people that were interviewed about Brittany said she stole from them. Oh, she geez. stole from all her former jobs and she had a problem. Oh my God. She actually worked at another Lululemon before she moved to the Bethesda one because the people at that store thought she was stealing, but they couldn't prove it. 
so they couldn't fire her. And that's why she moved to a different store. I am so confused about it being hard to fire people. Because, yeah, it's it has to be like, you have especially to have, like, for a, a corporation. Maybe that's what it is. You have to have so much evidence. Otherwise, they can like claim unemployment or like wrongful that's firing. Crazy. Yeah. So the managers of the Bethesda store had heard about her, so they were extra careful to make sure she wasn't stealing. So the managers were allowed to look in everyone's bags if they thought they were stealing. Hmm. Jaina, her manager, heard some complaints that Brittany may have stolen some pants. So she asks to look in Brittany's bag. She does find pants and asks Brittany for the receipt. And Brittany says, well, I don't have it. Uh-oh. And then Jaina asks who she bought them from, and Brittany gives her a name. So Jaina calls this employee to ask if they sold pants to Brittany, and they say, no, we did not. So at this point, Brittany probably knows she's busted because Jaina caught her. Yeah, Jaina catches Brittany shoplifting yeah. from the store. Yeah. I worked at a Forever 21 once, and our purses had to be clear. Oh, we had to bring in clear purses so that they could see everything in our bag. Actually, it wasn't. It was it. It was like a contempo. It was a contempo or something like that. (laughs) Rampage. It was rampage, which is is defunct now. Yeah. So now there's a trial. Uh, Brittany is accused of murdering Jaina. Forensics testified about Jaina's injuries. 300 stabs, hits, 150 of those are in the head. Eight different weapons were used. A wrench a hammer, rope, box cutters, a Buddha statue. Yeah, a Buddha statue. Merchandise pegs. And she was stabbed with a knife in her skull that punctured her brain. They showed, you have to stab someone so deep to puncture their, puncture their brain. You had to go through the skull. The whole skull. That's How crazy. You, that's crazy. I don't know. They showed that the zip ties around Brittany's wrist were tightened by her own teeth. Mm-hmm. So she put them on herself. Her hands were tied in front of her, not behind her. She could have reached a phone, but she just laid there. Her defense attorney used the insanity defense. Which did not work. (laughs) Jury deliberated for less than an hour. She was guilty of first-degree murder, life without parole. So one of the theories on why she did this is that Brittany was planning on starting a new job as a fitness instructor in a few days. Hmm. So she was planning on quitting Lululemon shortly anyways. So maybe she concocted this whole plan because if she got fired for stealing, it may affect her future employment. So just murder someone instead. Yeah, just murder instead. That's a way better idea. And a weird thing that came about from this is that people working at the Apple store next door that night heard the screaming in the loud commotion they heard women screaming like please stop why are you doing this and there nobody calls the police that's why you know they tell you that if you're being raped or assaulted you're supposed to yell fire, fire. And i not would yell rape. free cake <laughs> <laughs> also just as effective <laughs> It probably is. <laughs> yeah, there's a video. Of, oh my god, scary! There's a surveillance video of the employees. How they're like they walk to the wall and they listen. Stop it! But one of the security guards, the manager, of the security guard, he testified and he thought the noise was just drama. And then another just security girls, guard, girls yeah, being girls, another security guard, he ignored it. He was listening to an iPod. Oh my god! So he thought women murdering each other were just like yep. women be shopping. Yep, Jesus Christ! And it, it's called the bystander effect. Yeah, which is a theory that people are less likely to intervene during an emergency if others are around. There, there have been all those experiments, right? Where like a homeless man is dying on the street and people ignore it, just walk by. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so scary. I mean, and it's 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 that weird lemming thing. 
Yeah. Where you'll do whatever the people around you are doing. Yeah. Like if one person started helping, everyone would rally around to help. Yeah. But it just takes that one person to do a good deed. It's like people have a fear of being embarrassed or like doing something where they don't want to be different from their peers. Yeah, it's like a who Darren Brown. Is that the magician guy? Yes. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. He had this show on Netflix where he would get these people to come in because they he put out a notice he wants people to apply for like a TV show yeah. or something. He gets people to come in. One person is the person who doesn't know what's going on and the other 10 people are actors. So, it's so crazy. The 10 people like they'll do things like one person will stand and then the next person will stand and eventually all the people will stand and then they'll like go walk over somewhere. They'll like cross their legs in the chair. Everyone follows what they're doing. Yeah. It's so weird. Like everyone's very compliant. And so he concocts this whole scheme and eventually gets the people to like almost commit murders. Yeah. It's like group consciousness. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Fascinating. There's an article called Kitty Genovese Syndrome and Yelling Fire. Yeah. Winston Mosley attacked and stabbed 24-year-old Kitty Genovese at 3 a.m. on the street near her Kew Gardens home in Queens, New York on uh, March 11, 1964. Her screams prompted one neighbor to shout out, causing Mosley to flee, but he soon returned to rape the helpless, bleeding woman. Her subsequent screams through the 30-minute ordeal fell on deaf ears of her 38 neighbors. Mosley then stabbed her to death. Other than the neighbor who'd shouted just once, not a single one had lifted a finger to help her or even call the police. The worldwide news media fervor erupted over the neighbor's apathy, but they refused to explain their baffling behavior. Sprouting from this morass, a woeful, uh, unqualified New York Times editor concocted an escape scheme to counter such apathy in the future. He proposed the outdoor crime victims should yell fire instead of help police. Supposedly, apathetic neighbors would fear a fire spreading to their own homes and call the fire department. So if it somehow involves a threat to your own safety, then you're more likely to get involved than if it's just about someone else's safety. I'm wondering, because I always think of like if if a woman came to my front door and was like screaming and pounding on the door bleeding and was like... He's trying to kill me. He's trying to kill I'm me. Afraid. I would be afraid. I would be afraid, Maria. I don't know if it'd be a would trick. Give her cake. <laughs> no, in, it I would definitely cake. be. That would be scary. I'd tell her to wait on the porch for a second, and I, I would call the police. Call the yeah, police. call the police because like, outside, it yeah. could be a trick. You can't trust people. Like when you know how they the serial killers put crying babies outside your That's door. That's what I yeah. I always talk about the crying baby. The crying what? baby. I don't, what is this? If you ever hear a crying baby outside your door alley, don't go outside. It's a recording. Are you serious? Yes. What they put a recording of a crying baby out on the porch, and when you open the door, they attack you. What is this urban legend? It's I've never real. heard of this. It's real. I think it's half real. I don't. I think <laughs> they mentioned it on Unsolved Mysteries, and then yeah. like Snopes did a whole thing, being like, "No, no, no." <laughs> but it's a great tactic. It's a, it's a tactic that is bound to yes. work. Snopes.com crying baby serial killer, killer victim lure. Yeah. Is it real? And then there's another article that says, don't open the door for a crying baby. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's real. <laughs> I would, if I heard a cat meowing, I would probably open the door. It's just hard with like hearing things and going like, oh, someone's screaming. I should call the cops. Cause like, of course you want to do that. Right. But then sure. everything goes through your brain. Like, 
What if they're watching a television show? What if they're just goofing around? Because, like, I've heard right. people scream before and then, like, a minute later, like, laugh. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yep. so it's just, like, I, I don't know. It's like, boy, we're all the men who cried wolf. <laughs> fascinating that's deep <laughs> okay no but it's true like i've heard my neighbors scream yeah. and then i realize like it's a sports game that's on yeah you know or they're practicing their lines because it's hollywood Cause it's, yeah, that's tinseltown folks tinseltown but i feel like those apple employees they that's should different. i would yeah. have called if i and it was late at night it was after store hours and it's a store it's not someone's how you know yeah is this in a mall or like an indoor mall it was like an outdoor um it's not a strip Plaza. mall but it was like a the businesses were like next to each other like a shopping places so they were the yeah. walls were connected right but they had separate entrances here's a weird thing let's hear from it. snopes Uh-oh. about crying babies <laughs> I am going to try this again. Some people said they couldn't see my post as an attachment, but ladies, please read. My best friend posted this last night on her Facebook page, so you know it's legit. <laughs> Ryan and I were just at the Kitsap Mall. We walked out to our car by Sears, and Ryan noticed there was a baby crying. Who's Ryan? Just some guy. Just some Ryan guy. Ryan Gosling. Ryan, Ryan. He's a Facebook guy. Is this Eva Mendez writing this? Yes. This <laughs> <laughs> Eva Mendez going off on her Facebook page. <laughs> and Ryan noticed there was a baby crying in a car with no adult. So we pulled over to the car, and Ryan got out to look and found out through the window that the it was just a recording. It was just a tape playing with a baby recording, baby crying recording. There was another car parked a few spots down, a white van with blacked out windows. Oh, no. These are the kind of setups psychopath killers (laughs) do to abduct you. Please be careful out there, everyone. Don't walk to the car. Just call security or 911. Thankfully, there was a security guard a few lots over, so we went to tell her. Oh, her. Her, yeah. Her. Yeah, that's woke. Please share this to help inform others. I don't get it. Why wouldn't you just put the crying baby in the van? Because <laughs> <laughs> po- people probably wouldn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, one, oh, don't have a, a, if you're like a freak, don't have a white van. Like, people yeah. are going to think you're a freak. Yeah, that's true. I guess you could. St- well, if I saw a crying baby in a car. Would I o- try to open the door? If you're a freak, don't no. have a white van. No, but like for real. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you need a white van? You don't. I just get it saw, painted. I just gray. Saw, I once saw a white van driving around. It was the scariest, most like decrepit white van. And then in bloody letters, <laughs> someone had written candy on it. No. Oh, it was God. obviously like a joke. Someone thought it was or funny, but it was, was terrifying. It? Or was it? Or true? was it? Um, so that is the Lululemon murder. And the bystander effect. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And is this potentially all because of that weird cult mentality? Yes. That There's some weird stuff going on at Lululemon. Creates insanity in the workplace. And I don't remember this really being talked about that much. Do you? No. Yeah. I didn't know this until I was looking up Landmark and Lululemon. Yeah. Weird Lululemon yeah. cover up. So next time you're putting on your leggings, just know. Just remember. There's 300 stab wounds attached to it. I'm on their website. And I, to be honest, I'd never really, I've always passed a Lululemon, but I'd never really taken a deep dive. And this is just, um, I have one pair of leggings from Lululemon. And? I don't really wear them. Can't you kind of see your butthole when you lean over? <laughs> 
Well, I got dark colored ones. Oh. Why are yoga pants $128? That's the thing. They were very expensive. Their sizes are crazy. I'm a skinny person. I'll wear like a size zero two, whatever. Yeah, you're, you're for slender, yeah. I had to buy a size eight in what? Lululemon, and I was like, "What is going on? Are you? Yeah, you're like a size zero extra small. Yeah, like I tried. I got size two, and I was like, "Huh?" Then I was like, "I'll try a four, and I was like, "Okay, these are too tight." Then I got a six. I'm like, "What is happening? That's crazy. They they're so tight." Well, I think that they also once had some sort of scandal where they said that they had a very, and it was the same with Abercrombie, where they said they had a very specific idea yep. of who they wanted their client to they be. They don't make large clothes. They don't make large yeah. clothes. Yeah, they only make. They want their clients to be slender people. But why are they so expensive? I mean, the material is like nice. It's like good material. I've had them for a few years. Well, it's not made out of gold. No, like, I, like I, I would get. I like leggings from Amazon too. Like I just. This is nuts. It it is is this nuts. nylon backpack is one hundred and thirty dollars. No, they're really, they're really pushing it. They are with me. They're pushing it. Yeah, you can get this stuff at Gap. Oh yeah. my god, for sure. And I love a Gap run i adore gap got Gap's a pair of great. jeans at gap for eight dollars five dollars i i brought them up they were like on sale and she was like whoa these are only five dollars <laughs> that's crazy i said okay ring them up <laughs> well ring it up baby ring it up uh well on that note ring them up baby ring don't up. go to lululemon melissa where can people find us online people can find us on twitter and instagram at web crawlers pod we have a facebook page reddit web crawlers pod uh, rate and review us. Your reviews Please. have been so good lately. You guys are so funny, and our the our favorite reviews will always post and read out loud. So yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, thank you for listening. I'm Ali Siegel, and I'm Melissa Stetton, and I'm Maria too. <laughs> <laughs> Where who's Maria one? <laughs> She's not here anymore. Oh, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, 
Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.